This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's up, H-Town? Welcome to the Believe in Astros podcast, your home for all things Astros. With your hosts, sports writer Jeff Balky and Astros broadcaster and former third baseman Jeff Blob. Here's Bulky and Blubber. What is up, Astros fans? Welcome to episode 45 of the Believe in Astros podcast on the Believe Podcasting Network. And man, do we have a packed show for you on a random Friday in the dark, gloomy recesses of the cold off season. I'm Jeff Bulky, my partner, just trying to stay warm like the rest of us, Jeff Blum. Uh, you can find us on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and of course YouTube. Be sure to like and subscribe and keep up with us. Give us a follow on Twitter at Believe in Astros. You can find me at Jeff Balky Blummer at Blummer27. Anywhere uh, your favorite uh, social medias are sold. Uh, thanks to everyone who's given us five stars and left reviews on Apple. Very, very cool of you. And please, if you haven't, please consider it. Just a, you know, general, just an honest little, if you think we're, we're all that. As the, don't the kids You're still say sweet, all that? Man. Just do it. Leave the review. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Blum, look, Blum's giving you directions. When the man gives you directions, <laughs> that's what you're supposed to do. Obviously, <laughs> send us your comments and questions. Love getting those from all of you. Um, an example. Are you mad about Jeremy Pena not making MLB's top 10 shortstop list? Dude, that surprised will- me. I know. We're going to talk about that in a minute because I want to get your take on that one. Uh, Blummer, how are you this morning? Good. Chilly, uh, but uh, otherwise a good Friday. Yeah, exactly. I think so, too. Um, getting getting into the We have a lot to talk about. Like That's just the bottom line. There's a lot going on in the world of the Astros, uh, so we may as well sink into this. First, a word from our sponsor, if you don't mind. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from NFL playoffs to pro and college basketball, UFC, MMA, and more. Obviously, you got any picks this weekend, Blummer? Who's going to the Super Bowl? Oh man, uh, don't no. I'm. I want it to be uh, the Bengals and Eagles for whatever reason. I don't know why. If it's an animal thing, but I like the Burrow Hurts matchup. <laughs> oh yeah, that would be good. I I'm kind of weirdly. I think San Francisco could surprise some people. That defense, defense of theirs is, is badass. Oh. Their defense is real. That is that is real. And it, but yeah, I agree with you. Hertz and Burrow would be that'd be the that would be the swag is there matchup something of the about, year. Yeah, but is there something about Brock Purdy too? Just that whole storyline, right. Mister Irrelevant, going to the Super Bowl. I mean, there is a great storyline in that. It's a fantastic storyline. Um, probably wouldn't be as fun of a game. The Bengals and uh, <laughs> although look, the Bengals have legit defense too. Uh, yeah. you know, that's, it's, it's going to be fun either way. Uh, Super Bowl should be fun. I will be deep in the heart of the Rocky mountains for the Super Bowl. So Look I'll be you. enjoying it with, with snow on the ground outside. Um, you'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news and game trends at bet online with live betting options, free contests, live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. 
Bet online is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. Head to, web, to the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BLEAV to receive your rewards. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. So let's get into this. Um, first things first, uh, the Houston Sports Awards. Um, oh, yeah. Was, you were in attendance. Uh, mm-hmm. Jordan picked up athlete of the year. Um, how, how is, how is that? I've never been to one of those. What's it, what's it like? What was your experience? I have never been to an Oscars, Emmys, Grammys, Golden Globes, nor would right. I want to. But that being <laughs> right. said, it's very similar. I believe in the pageantry and the show of it all. So it's kind of fun. They, uh, you know, Patty Smith runs that with the Houston Sports Authority. Right. Uh, they've done such a good job, and they really make it an event that you want to go to because they spoil you rotten. Uh, I hope nice. it's just as good for fans. But I know as you know as a as a former athlete, current broadcaster in the city of Houston, being involved with that is such a great thing because you get to walk the car- red carpet. You feel like yep. a star. They're taking pictures, and then uh, you get in and you get to get to witness a great show. But I just appreciate the fact that this city, as good as as great as its sports history is, that they're starting to recognize some of the greatness in this city yep. alone. And it's still amazing to me to sit there and say that this is just one city, and they this is what they've produced. And I think that's the best part about it, is just bringing acknowledgement to the city of Houston, their athletes, and recognizing the greatness of what this city uh, has brought in the sports world. Did you uh, get a swag bag? <laughs> I mean, nope. I know the swag bags they give out at like the, the Oscars and the Grammys are pretty ridiculous. No, I handed out, <laughs> uh, I think the first year they had the sports awards, about maybe five or six years ago, uh, TK and I got to hand out, I think, executive of the year to Jeff Luno. Oh, cool. And we did, we got a couple, we got like a case of wine. That was good enough for me. Nice. I'll take it. Any, anything yep. is good. Uh, anything is good. Yeah. So quick, quick recap of the hall of fame vote. Uh, Billy Wagner did not get in. We obviously voiced our displeasure with this possibility, <laughs> <Joke>. but <laughs> exactly. Uh, and there's been plenty of including from Joe DeLeon, who's on the Believe Network, uh, really, I mean, really throwing down the gauntlet, uh, calling Torture. out uh, writers, and yeah, he really, he really uh, went scorched earth on that one. Um, Joe, who I actually talk to on kind of a regular basis, he's very helpful with this podcast as well. So shout out, Joe. Um, right. But yeah, he he laid down some uh, some scorched earth on the writers. Um, not to say I disagree with everything he said, certainly. Um, and there's been plenty of criticism. I read a, a really interesting story with uh, Ken Rosenthal and Jason Stark and Peter Gammons discussing like the difficulties of getting into the Hall of Fame and what all that means. And I still personally don't fully understand why they would cut down from 15 to 10 on a ballot um, <clears throat> or make the eligibility years 15, you know, go from 15 down to 10. I know they're trying to make it hard to get in to make it sort of the legit Hall of Fame, but nevertheless, it often leaves out people that. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense that they're left out, including Billy Wagner. He did get 68% of the vote, which means he'll probably get in next year, and deservedly so. Uh, And then, of course, um, Scott Rowland, the only one that got in. You talked about Scott Rowland being one of the best third basemen uh, you you had ever witnessed. Um, So obviously deserving. And it looks like Helton will get in next year, too. He was like 72 or 73%, I think. 
So, <laughs> yeah, hopefully the altitude helps him out to get those extra votes. What a, bo- I mean, oh, geez, whatever. I know we can, Good job, Joe. We, I mean, we, we <laughs> could rant and rant and rant about this if we wanted to. I'm just not sure I care that much about the overall exclusivity of the baseball hall of fame. I mean, people criticize, I just think, yeah, you know, they criticize ba- the basketball hall of fame for being too inclusive. I don't know, man. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just the don't the know. fact that you can make an argument either way give, shouldn't happen. Yeah. That That's the problem is that there is an argument to be had because they do create the scenario where you have to go, what the hell are you thinking? Yeah. And maybe that's the point. Maybe that's part of it, too. You know, they maybe they want the controversy so it stirs up interest. I don't know. Next year, the only guy that's going to be a sure fire first ballot is Adrian Beltre. Um but no, there's nobody else that I, all uh, to be honest with you, the one that still flummoxes me is Jeff Kent. I mean, that's the one that kills. <laughs> like Jeff Kent, like what are yeah. y'all doing, Jeff Kent? Way the hell He's down. He's the I greatest mean, like, offensive second baseman. Yeah. yeah, of of all time, and it's not really even close. And it's just, eh, I don't know. You know how it but is, he man. He was a jerk, Jeff. He was a real jerk to us. <laughs> was I remember something about that? I don't recall, like. You know what? Dude, I love I love Jeff Kent. Yeah, right. Lots of his player his teammates certainly loved him. Um, I will tell you this. So I am not a sports writer. I I, I write about sports. There's a difference, right? Um, <laughs> you know, I'm not covering the beat out there every single day. I'm not I don't pretend to be in the same category with these guys because they're all professionals and incredible and I love all of them. We're gonna have one of them on next week, in fact. Uh, one of my favorites mm-hmm. in Brian McTaggart. Um, but I got to tell you, they are some of the most annoying, you know, MFers. <laughs> I mean, sometimes some of them are incredible, but some of them are just like, what is, what is up with the, the, like you're in the media. You're not actually playing baseball. You're in the media that's covering it. Right. Cool. Mm-hmm. And some guys, you know, and, and, and good for you for being good at your job, you know, cause it's hard. Journalism is not an easy gig. Right. No. Um, but don't flout it. Don't turn in blank ballots and, you know, oh, try to man. put yourself I, above the game. No, it's it's uh, I, always, I always think of that scene, uh, you know, Charlton Heston back in the, you know, the Ten Commandments and he's Moses and he's like at, at the top of Mount Sinai or whatever it was. And he's like holding he's like, you know, the thunder in the background and the lightning. Rah, and he's like got this big speech. I feel like that's how writers get when they're filling out their ballot. They've just got this overwhelming power and authority and they're going to wield it. And I'm just like, come on, man. Bring it oh, down man, a notch. That is a good image. I like the one when History of the World Part 1, when Moses is holding <laughs> three tablets and he's like, the good Lord brings you these 15. He drops one. He's like... Ten! Ten commandments! <laughs> I prefer to view that one as how it looks. That's pretty good. That's a little and more realistic. Probably. And and look, again, I have tremendous respect for these guys who do the job. It's just that it seems so random and arbitrary and emotional. Honestly, it's like the stock market. Everybody's like, oh, the stock market is very carefully calculated. I'm oh, like, good, yeah. yeah, but it's also kind of people getting upset and spending more money or less money. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of that too, right? It's a little mm-hmm. bit Las Vegas in there. So, yeah. I, anyway, Wagner's probably going to get in next year. He's got two years of eligibility left. If he doesn't get in next year, he'll get in the following. Still, he should already be in. We both know this. We yeah. all know this. So, thumbs down to the writers. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Yeah. Um, 
Exactly. Where's the sad trombone nose? Like, oh, oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> baseball's been naming all their top players at each position. Plenty of Astros are on the list. We talked about Jordan in left field. We just saw Jose Altuve at second base. Got plenty of names. Uh, Alex Bregman's in there. You know, plenty of guys. Um, they came out with their list of the top 10 shortstops. And look, admittedly, shortstop is a loaded position in baseball. There are some really... I mean, we saw that yes. in free agency. Oh, man. I mean, we are loaded with good shortstops in baseball. But I want to run down the top 10 real quick. And then because Jeremy Pena didn't make it, although he was on a couple of guys' lists, I did notice that a couple of people voted for him in, his, in their top 10. He just didn't make it. But so... Trey Turner at number one makes sense. Carlos Correa at number two makes sense-ish. I mean, after all the, you know, <laughs> I, Carlos Correa's leg is ranked number fifty, but uh, his but his his whole person is number two. Um, Xander Bogarts number three. Corey Seager number four. Um, Francisco Lindor uh, at number five. Dansby Swanson now a Cub at number six. Um, Bo Bichette. Uh, or as my friend Frank and I refer to him at games, Bobichetti. That's how we, <laughs> we like to yell out. That's our Italian uh, version of the yell out. So the, the last three are the ones that kind of, uh, and some of it's just I don't see them. Like, you know, Willie Adams from the Brewers. I don't really see him play that much, so it's hard for me to comment. But Tim Anderson from the White Sox and then Wander Franco from Tampa Bay. <clears throat> I have a hard time. I mean, there's great arguments to be made, you know, for all of them. But I'm not sure I can make a great argument that keeps the MVP of the World Series out of that list. Thoughts? <laughs> no, I think you got to take it in the in the context of you know, is this is are they looking forward to the upcoming season? Because if you do rate them off the 2022 season, is it overall? You know, I don't know what the criteria are, but if I've got a guy. Who who should have been in the top three for rookie of the year voting and then went into the postseason? <coughs> the postseason obviously carries weight in the Hall of Fame voting that we were just talking yeah, about. Correct. Because I think if Billy Wagner had better numbers in the postseason, he'd be in the Hall of Fame right now. Hundred percent. And and if we're talking about you know bringing in the entire package, what does a guy bring on a consistent daily basis? Jeremy Pena's in there. He's single handedly won games for the Astros both with his glove and his bat. And then you add in, like you just talked about, the American League Championship Series MVP, World Series MVP. How do you not get that guy on the vote? I know that the, the, the shortstop position is deep. They've mm -hmm. got great, talented players. But if you're going on proven talent and potential for the upcoming season, how does Jeremy Pena not get in there? I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Get, throw the guy a little bit of love. Mm -hmm. And I'm tired of this Astro bias, like, oh, he's well, he's on the Astros, he's in a great lineup. You can't discount a guy for being in a position that they're at. Is Wander Franco that great if he's in the Astros lineup? Maybe. We don't know. But he's overachieving in a place where there's the expectation's rather low. You've got Jeremy right. Pena, who is in a place where... The expectation was just to play a good shortstop, and he went above and beyond and proved he's a pretty damn good athlete, and he's got the war numbers to back it up. You, you make a, a really good point, Blummer, that I hadn't really thought about, the idea that um, the weight of expectation as a as – a, you know, a meriting factor for something like this. I mean, you know, uh, it's one thing to uh, – like you say, well, he's protected by a good lineup. Yeah, well – 
Maybe, but he's also expected to be good in that lineup because this is a team with aspirations beyond just playing well. This is a team that expects to be in the World Series, win a World Series every single season. And he was also in the shadow of perhaps the greatest (laughs) Astro shortstop of all time in Carlos Mm -hmm. Correa. So, I mean, that's a lot of pressure. And the fact that he was as exceptional as he was. Yeah, he had a bit of an up-and-down season. But that's to be expected from a rookie. But yeah, that's that's a really good point about the weight of expectations and trying to meet those out while at the same time, you know, play your position and not be overwhelmed by it. Yeah, and, and for 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 me, it's it's still the idea of you know the shortstop position is that captain on the on the team. They're the quarterback of this of the defensive ball club, and a rookie doing what he did, mm. I think, deserved a little more recognition. Let me ask you something about that, Blummer. So when you're out there defensively, who does set? Like, I know we talk, you know, in in football, it's easy. We talk about the Mike linebacker, the guy that sort of sets all the defense. Is the shortstop primarily the guy who's kind of making sure everybody, or is it the coaches? Like, how does that happen when you're on the field? Uh, Well, there's a little bit of arrogance because I came up as a shortstop. I played shortstop my entire career, got to the big leagues. I think shortstop is one of those primary positions, not just physically, but mentally too, Mm -hmm. because you have your eyes into the crotch of the catcher for every single pitch. You know what pitch is coming. You know the sequences. Uh, You're in charge of giving signs on a first and third. You're in charge of going out on relays on balls in the gap. I mean, there's so many intuitive, instinctual, cerebral uh, type situations that you need to be prepared for at shortstop because you're literally in on every single play and then you add the talent. You're the biggest, you're the baddest, you're the most athletic and the expectation is to, to that people will lean on you in some of those crucial moments. So being a rookie on a World Series championship team, I think that should carry a little bit extra weight and give you a little more credibility in that sense. But being a shortstop in the big leagues, even with the shifts and everything that's going on, uh, you know, they've got the pitch com in their, in their uh, hats now that they can hear the pitches mm-hmm. that are coming instead of looking in and getting the signs. There is a lot going on, but there's also a lot being processed. And when you get a question from your third baseman, your left fielder, your second <laughs> baseman, you better damn well be ready to answer those questions. Wow. Well, I will say this. If playing shortstop requires staring into the crotch of the catcher for the entire game, I'm out. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> that does that not depends sound on the catcher. Like- <laughs> <laughs> hey, with uh, with Maldi's like colorful uh, uh, fingernails, yeah. that's a kind of maybe might make for an interesting. Um, anyway, it was very colorful sounding. Is all I can say about that. So <laughs> let's let's get on to the biggest news uh, mm-hmm. of all, and that is the Astros. Kind of surpri- a little bit surprisingly, out of the blue, yesterday announced they hired Dana Brown as their new general manager, former vice president of scouting with the Braves, a long thirty-three year career in baseball with the Pirates. He was with the Expos when they became the Nationals, which should date easy. You a so was bit. I. <laughs> That's right. I forgot about that. Um, and with the Bl- and also with the Blue Jays, obviously he has real draft chops. Uh, he's drafted like the rookie of the year last year and and the runner up both playing for the Braves um and you know he was he played baseball with Craig Biggio at Seton Hall which is yep. you know not to be discounted and drafted Caven in Toronto Craig Biggio's <laughs> son um so Blummer you probably know him if you were with those teams uh do you not know him at all <laughs> 
No, no. The funny story is, is that uh, I think his first full year with uh, the Expos was 2002, and I got traded in the spring of 2002 oh. from the Expos to the Astros. So I may he may have been in on the decision making when Omar Minaya was the uh, the the GM for Major League Baseball Expos organization at the time, and I was right. I was the first trade that 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 uh, regime made. Wow. Well, I, what are your thoughts on this guy? I I feel. Like, this was a great hire. Obviously, they had the runner-up was Brad Osmus. As much as I like Brad Osmus as a, as a, as a guy, former Astro and a person, he doesn't have any experience in the GM position, and that, that worried me. Uh, so tell me, what are your thoughts now that, uh, that uh, he has become, that Dana Brown has become the new GM? First things first, what the hell took so long? You know, I, I don't understand some of these situations. You know, you just mentioned it, 33 years. This guy goes back to, you know, yes. in the infancy of my career back in 2002. I was three years into the into the season, and he finally becomes somebody that can have an impact as far as scouting is concerned. Uh, he's obviously paid his dues even more so than I think he needed to, but the ped- the pedigree is there. And what I like, and great hire by the Astros, I think this one's yeah. actually going to be very good. Um, in the it, because the Astros are in an interesting spot right now. They're great. They're good. They're World Series champions. They're looking to repeat, um, and I think Dana understands that. But coming over here and making this the the decision to go with somebody like Dana, you look at his background, VP of scouting, scouting, scouting. He is going to bring back some of that element of scouting to go with the analytics. And the reason yeah. I like that is because I think scouting is a is a fine art. <clears throat> recognizing talent is another aspect of that fine art. And he's done that. You mentioned what he's done in Atlanta. He understands, you know, that process. He understands that that organizational mentality of developing and drafting young talent. And that's where the Astros are at right now. You've got some contracts running out with the Alex Bregmans, the Jose Altuves, mm-hmm. and they haven't had the number one pick over the last couple of years, so they're going to have to rely heavily on scouting young talent in order to create this this endless list of guys that they can continue to bring up and compete and, and, and create World Series champions. So that's where I think Dana Brown's really going to prove, prove his worth is in that development, drafting, and then, of course, he's got some serious decisions to make as far as extensions are concerned moving forward. It's a yeah. really unique time to be an Astros GM, and I think they did a great job. I'm a big fan of the signing of, of Dana Brown. I am as well. Uh, you hit on pretty much everything that I uh, I agree with here. I think the fact that he is a, a draft sort of nerd and the fact that he is so good with the scouting end of it is critical for a team that whose farm system has really been depleted. I mean, we, mm-hmm. we joke about how, oh, yeah, their farm system isn't very good, and yet we still get Hunter Brown and Pedro Leon and like mm-hmm. whoever else coming up at Jeremy Pena. But the truth is they do have a, <clears throat> a depth problem in their farm system. They don't have the depth that some other teams have. And so replenishing that is going to be important. Um, and, you know, having a guy that can really help to, to bolster that is a big deal. We also can assume that because he's been in the league this long, he's not going to be shy about making deals. And, uh, you yeah. know, we know, yeah, last year that was one of the things that, you know, uh, Click got caught in the crosshairs of, of Jim Crane, who really wanted uh, some moves to be made, and the trigger just wasn't pulled. And so you've got to figure that, that – um, 
Dana Brown is going to be more aggressive about making some of those moves when they need to. It's also notable that he's the only black GM in baseball right now. Ken Williams, technically the executive vice president of baseball for Chicago for the White Sox. And this is only the second time in baseball history where we've Crazy. had a black GM and a black uh, manager at the same time. In fact, the Astros were the first team to hire an official general manager who was black. That was Bob Watson in 1994. Yep. So we have some track record there. That, to me, is incredible. That in a <laughs> league of with this many people of color in it, obviously there are fewer black people today than maybe in the past um, in playing. There's a, it's Obviously, the contingent of Latin American players is much more significant. But the fact that we're just now... We don't, only twice in all these years of baseball, it just... It's it's terrible and it's but it's laudable at the same time. Obviously, they're trying to pick the best guy, but the fact that the best guy happens to be a person of color to me is a, is really laudable for the Astros. No, I think it's a great thing, and it, it and it's not. They didn't. That wasn't the initial response. They didn't say, "Oh, we need to go after the African American." They right. they said, "We need the best," and you nailed yep. it by saying they went and got the best. Yes, Dana Brown is the best, and it's a credit to him for grinding for thirty three years, <clears throat> not losing faith in the program, not losing faith in the game, and sticking it out so he gets this opportunity. I loved his press conference, by the way. Me Some of the too. things he said, I was like, oh. "Dude, I want to play for this guy." I know. I was you know, ready to get. I was ready to suit up. I was like, come on, yeah. let's do this. And and how about how but I think that's where you go back to the relationship with James Click and Jim Crane is J, Jim wants the guy that's going to be a little little hair trigger happy. You know, yeah. maybe he goes out there and takes a little bit of a chance, but I think it's going to be a calculated risk with Dana Brown, but he's not going to be afraid. The fact that he said we've got to continue to be greedy about winning. I yes. absolutely love that. 100%. Because I'm the I'm the player that sits in the booth, and when a guy gets three hits, I'm like, man, this is a time to get greedy. You have to be greedy in this game, and if that is your mentality, you are going to take some calculated risks and maybe take advantage of some opportunities. But I agree with you in the sense that you know, I hope this trends in the right direction. I hope that Dana Brown inspires, and that's when you don't have many guys with these opportunities or females, you know, you've got, uh, you know, the Marlins GM Ng down there yep. doing a great job. <clears throat> right. But when you get the, when you get these opportunities like Dana Brown, already the pressure of being a gym, but he's also an inspiration for some of these, yeah. uh, for some of these players currently, maybe for some of these, uh, scouts that are in the league or some of these yeah. other front office, uh, personnel, He's an inspiration for them. There's a lot of pressure on him to go out there and do a great job and inspire so, some of these other minorities to come up and do a great job. I think the yep. Latin American manager is something that needs to really make a resurgence. I agree. Uh, Dusty Baker's an inspiration. But, you know, the, the more diverse, <clears throat> the better things are. And I think Dana Brown uh, and the Houston Astros did a great job of encouraging that. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I can't selfishly as a broadcaster too. I mean, the, you know, I didn't realize it at the time when I'm playing the GM as a guy who's making decisions on my career. And I'm like, Oh man, I gotta, I gotta play hard. Got to impress him. Oh, yeah. why do you do that? You know, all of a sudden you're critical, but now being on the broadcast side, I can't wait for spring training to start because now I get to go meet the guy and we get him in the booth, you know, right. then we can bend his ear, ask some questions and talk to him a little bit. And that's where, you know, selfishly, I can't wait to meet Dana Brown, especially after the conversations he's had in front of the media so far. That whole thing about getting greedy about winning was, I think everybody was like, I saw that all over Twitter 
you know, a couple of people were saying that should be the Astros slogan for next year. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, greedy dude, about like, winning. I mean, and, and the fact that he said, you know, he, I think the line was he said he wanted to pour himself into the city of Houston. Like there's a there was just a lot of it, his his Smart. he was just he's just a guy that he seems like one of those people that like not only is he getting a first opportunity for this, you know, to to actually run the front office of an organization. But you get the sense that he just has a ton of energy for it. I mean, I would mm-hmm. think you'd yeah. have to because scouting is difficult. Ooh. I mean, I've talked to some guys who've done who've either done it or are you know close with people who've done it, and they talk about what a grind it is. Um, you know, because you've got so many dozens and dozens of players you have to think about. And the other thing too about this, the Astros and probably the Dodgers have the two best international scouting. departments in all of baseball they are absolutely spectacular at it um the astros in particular um so you are adding now a guy whose domestic scouting credentials are through the roof to a team that's already great internationally um that's that to me is really great yeah just one last thing are we really surprised that houston is is taking the opportunity by signing a black general manager. No. I mean, this is easily the most diverse city on the planet with the most yeah. opportunity. And I just think it, it just befits, it doesn't just befit the organization, like you said, who's mm-hmm. really heavy into the international aspect of the game. Yep. But as far as a city and a community, I mean, this is exactly where something like this should be happening because the city's so diverse. Well, the, the, you know, look, the, every, uh, well, now with, we'll have to see with the Texans. But we had a, a, yeah. a you know black head coach general manager for every major uh, sports franchise in Houston, um, you know, and then if you count Calvin Sampson, U of H may as well be a major yeah. sports or, uh, it's a, it's franchise. A great point. Yeah, and and so yeah, it's it's a it's not a big deal. The Texans have had a black GM before, um, so yeah, it's it's. I think when you're living in a, the most diverse city in the country. It, it can't, I mean, look, you always want to pick the best person, but that means picking from the deepest talent pool. And the mm-hmm. deepest talent pool doesn't just include old white guys, you know? Oh, and and I think what's really, God. what's really, <laughs> I know, right? We've talked about that. Um, but here's the thing. Here's the thing that is that is that I love about this, too, is that this is a guy who has all this experience and all this time grinding and just all this work ethic to pour it in over years and years. And he's worked with teams on pre-analytics. Mm-hmm. He's worked with teams yep. with analytics. He's he's a guy that, you know, and the Braves have, have been one of the better franchises over the last few years of blending analytics and scouting together uh, yep. to find talent. That's just, to me, everything about this guy smacks of greatness that has been untapped so far, mm-hmm. and there everybody else's loss is to me is the Astros game. Yeah, well, he's he's been the contributing factor. Now he's the main factor going out yes. there and doing that. And I think it's great. You know, he's worked with the Expos, like we talked about, eight years with the Pirates. Those were developing franchises. Then he gets his chance with the Toronto Blue Jays. They yes. start to win in in Toronto when he's there. Moves to Atlanta. And he has a rookie of the year. And he also made some key trades bringing in, you know, Matt Olson, I think Sean Murphy, you know, some of these other guys. He's responsible for Spencer Strider recognizing yep. talent. But at the same time, I think the most interesting thing is, is he's been in on a lot of those meetings with the Atlanta Braves when they were extending. And I think this is probably something that you probably want to comment on too. Yes. 
is the fact that he was in on some of these meetings discussing extensions for Austin Riley, you know, uh, Albies, Acuna Jr., Matt Olson. You know, they're really creating a a long winning window in Atlanta by locking up some young talent for the yes. extended future. And that's where I think moving in here, and I'll let you expand on it, is where he's got some opportunities with some guys here to extend and get some of those contracts going too. Absolutely. In fact, that was my very next point. So you're right in there, Blummer, as usual. It's like we're hosting the show or something. I don't know what's going on here. It's like it's like we've we've done this before. Um, so one of H Town Wheelhouse, who is one of the co-hosts of the Locked on Rockets, uh, Locked on Rockets, Locked on Astros podcast. By the way, we need to do a Locked on Astros Believe in Astros supercast at some point. I know. We should yeah. just blow it out. Um, he he posted a question on Twitter. He asked, um, how will the hiring you know, impact not only the extensions to guys like Christian Javier and Framber Valdez and Kyle Tucker, but how soon do you think he wants to dig into those? I mean, we are in the arbitration period right now. Um, I would think sooner rather than later, right? I, w- I would imagine. I would imagine actually that uh, – when you're going through the interview process, and these are extended processes because you want to yeah. make sure you make the right decision. So you're asking, and you're asking these guys very similar questions when you have them sitting in front of you. I can only imagine, and I can only hope that when they sat them down, whoever this, you know, uh, this voting group was or this interviewing group was, that they sat them down and said, look, we've got these guys, like you said, Tucker, Fromber, uh, Javier. Uh, and some of these guys, how how would you approach signing them to an extension? Yes. Would you even consider it? And what would the extension be? I would imagine that had to be in the conversation. So, I think if you're if you're going for the GM position with the Astros or any organization, you're yeah. looking at the entire roster and imagining, or at least you know putting together a preliminary report on why you would sign these guys or why you wouldn't and what the number would be. So I'm sure that question was probably in there. And he, if he. And how great would it be if you move into yeah. a GM job like this and you're like, hey, my first move was signing Kyle Tucker to a 10-year deal. <laughs> right. You're going to endear yourself to the organization and the community immediately. <laughs> well, I think it's going to be interesting to see what they do, too, because this is one of those things where I know that they, you know, the Astros have been hesitant, if not just straight out not wanting to do any really long-term contracts. Will that change? Like, will the calculus yeah. to that change some? Will a good he say, point. okay, maybe? I still don't think they're going to sign anybody for 10 years, but will they I bump agree. it to say seven instead of five or six? You know, um, you have to wonder. And also, I, I just couldn't help but thinking, was his first call after the press conference to Kyle Tucker's agent? Like, you know, I feel like there's got to <laughs> yeah. be, like, right off the bat, it's got to be like, listen, we need to keep, we need to, oh, even if we're not saying, hey, we're going to sign you, let's get this. It's, there's got to be some, open conversation with these guys to say, hey, you're a long-term part of this organization. We want you here. Um, What do we have to do? Uh, And that's exciting for fans, given the fact that we're, you know, just like 63 days away from opening day and just like, what, two weeks now away from pitchers and catchers reporting. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a huge deal for not just for fans, but for the Astros. I mean, these are big, big, important long-term moves. And you mentioned, too, about some of these guys are coming to end of contracts, right? You know, you're going to see over the next few years, Alex Bregman's going to start getting closer to the end of his. You're going to see Jose Altuve getting – and there's decisions you're going to have to be made, important decisions. 
And so getting a, a G and, and look, Dana Brown could fall flat on his face. Nobody, nobody knows, right? <laughs> nobody knows. Unlikely. What's but, happen. Yeah. Unlikely, but we don't know. But I will say that from every sort of angle that you look at this, this was absolutely the right choice. Like when you look at this from, there's no, I haven't seen a single person say, man, I wish they would have hired somebody else. Right. It's a good, it's, yeah, you're right. Everybody's like, yeah, this is a good hire. We don't know if it's going to be great hire, but in terms of the optics, in terms of, you know, the passing the smell test, like everything about it seems, seems right. And then when he comes in and just pumps up the volume in the press conference, but let's get greedy mm-hmm. about winning. Like, come on. Let's freaking go. Yep. I'm, I'm in. I'm, I am ready. All right, Blummer. Well, that wraps up another amazing podcast. I'm going to give ourselves five stars. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> you, should write, you should write a review for us. I'm going to write my own review. I'm going to say this podcast is the greatest podcast in the history of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Just drop the mic and walk out. We've done, it. We've done everything we can. We've it. hit the pin- pinnacle All of the other mountain. podcasts should cease to exist at this yes. point. Um, bow so, down. Blumber, what you got going this weekend, buddy? Are you uh, are you just chilling, or do you have responsibilities as a broadcaster? What is going on? Um, It's been a busy month. Yeah. I've, I've, t- today, actually, as we're recording, is my 22nd wedding anniversary, so I no! will be celebrating that with my Congratulations wife. Congratulations to you yep. and Mrs. Blummer. Yeah, thank you. It's it's been a hell of a run. We're continuing <laughs> awesome. to uh, to work very strong through the highs and lows. And then, uh, how about this? On Saturday night, mm-hmm. I will be I will be emceeing the Poultry Auction Committee Gala. What? My what? second year, and it's the it's pol- one of the more minute, fun wait, 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 wait. nights I have. Yeah. You okay? Wait a minute. Hold on. Drink this you get, in. You've got it. The poultry. Repeat that for me because I need to get that back. That's last year. I was given the opportunity to host what I didn't know at the time was a poultry auction committee for the rodeo. They have a gala where they know. where they recognize all the people who donated and bought the bought the poultry at the auctions during the rodeo. I will be back for my second year as MC of the Poultry Auction Committee Gala. And it's one of the best things I've ever done because the people are great. It's a blast. And it gives me all kinds of connections to the rodeo. Man, Plummer, that is... I've never heard of it before. Please tell me they're serving chicken. <laughs> Please tell me. It, that may, the, be, the it may be of the fried variety. And I was <laughs> like, I actually questioned them like, you're, you're serving what? Like these are the oh wow Blum that is I don't even know what to say about that other than I locked you up it did I I mean <laughs> I'm not normally speechless but honestly that was um, it was it reminds me of a WKRP in Cincinnati back in the day when Les Nesman won the Silver Sow Award like it feels. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> this is like some that's like some real deep in the rodeo kind of stuff right there when oh, you're man. the poultry gala. Well, there's certain <clears throat> things I've found, you know, moving to Houston. I mean, Texans are very protective of their country of Texas down here. And in order yeah. to get your Texan card, you know, there's certain things you have to check off the list. Mm-hmm. I would imagine that being the poultry auction committee gala MC, it you know, checks a pretty large box. Are you wearing your boots? Oh, are you well, are you- it. There's a certain theme to it. Last year it was Mardi Gras, and I, I was terrible at that because I didn't have any Mardi Gras attire. But this <laughs> it season it's uh, it's like derby derby season, so I've got a seersucker oh. suit that I'm going to rock the suit. hell out of. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's why you got to follow me on Instagram because I'll probably have oh, yeah. some good, uh, good photos. He have a, uh, just, of the suit. I, I expect a photo of you in your seersucker suit holding a piece of fried chicken and sipping a mint julep. That's what I, that's, that's my Done. expectation. That's Done. my expectation. Plumber. That is amazing. Well, C- congratulations on the poultry <laughs> MC, which is so if that's what we're supposed to say yeah that is fascinating also obviously congratulations on your anniversary my 10 year is this year um Ooh, yeah 10 in, big o- one. in october um so yeah and so i i feel you that's awesome i do i follow your wife on instagram as well because oh, she is good. often posting some hilarious stuff just of you yeah. Which Yeah, I get exposed on there, yep. <laughs> yeah, you do, but it's okay. It's it keeps you humble, right? Yes, it does. Yes. <laughs> I'm still trying to get past this poultry thing, man. I'm still yep. trying to dig in on this poultry oh, thing. Believe I just it. Oh god, that's so good. That is so freaking good. Okay, we'll be back next week. By the way, special guest next week, Brian McTaggart of MLB.com Ooh, yeah. will be with us next Wednesday. Uh, really great guy and his look, his newsletter, if you're not signed up for it on email, get it. It is my favorite thing to read every single week. Uh, tremendous insight. He's been with MLB network now since 2009 covering the Astros. So if he doesn't know it, nobody does. Um, and so we'll be back next week on Wednesday for that. Obviously brought to you by bet online. Huge thanks to all our listeners and viewers everywhere. You guys are awesome. Liking and subscribing and commenting. Thanks so much for all of that. We appreciate you deeply. Keep it coming. Like I said, just 63 days now until opening day. I can't believe how close it's getting blower. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Go Astros. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.